Welcome to another episode of the Father Ted Talk, broadcast here at the National Shrine of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton in Emmitsburg, Maryland. This week, we welcome Deacon Gonzalo. Very soon, Holy Mother Church will be celebrating the solemnity of Christ the King. This is the last Sunday of the liturgical year, after which a new year will begin with the season of Advent. As we draw toward the end of this liturgical cycle then, we're also drawn to the consideration of the last things that will befall upon humankind, and principally of the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. My sermon, therefore, will consider three things. The nature of this last day, the need to prepare for it, and how best to do so. May the Holy Spirit open your ears to receive his message, which I but pronounce as an unworthy servant. That the last day is coming, what man of faith can doubt? Even the Jews and the Muslims confess this, that there will be a last day. History, my brethren, is not circular, as pagan religions would have us believe. Rather, it is linear. Just as it had a beginning, it will have an end. But of when this end will be, and what will be the manner of it, who can tell? It is as mysterious as the world's beginning, which no man was present at to recount. And yet our Lord Jesus Christ, true God and true man, having perfect knowledge of all things past, present, and future, was pleased to tell us many details of this last day, so that seeing the signs that precede it, we may know the day to be close at hand. Now of all the things Christ revealed to us of this last day, the central and most important is this, that on that day, he himself will return to earth. His return will be great and glorious. Not like in the first time he came, when he came to earth clothed in humility and poverty, born of the Blessed Virgin in a small cave. Then he came as a lamb, a victim for our sins. But on his return, he will come as a lion, as our mighty God, as the ruler and judge of all. The book of Revelation says, Behold, he is coming in the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those that pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn for him. And our Lord himself declares in the Gospel of Matthew, then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in the heaven, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming 
on the clouds of heaven with great power and glory. O awesome, splendorous day on which we await a glorious Savior from the heavens. But what will this fearsome Lord do upon his arrival, beloved brothers and sisters? The Gospel tells us he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. This, then, is the first thing that our Lord will do when he arrives. He will gather his elect. Now, many of his elect, as we know, have passed from this earthly life. Some are now in spirit, enjoying the vision of his face. Others in purgatory, where they suffer like fire in the furnace in order to be cured of their imperfections. What of these then, we ask? Does Christ return only for his elect that remain on earth? By no means, my friends. Rather, when Christ returns in glory, those who shall have died will be raised. All of his elect will be raised in new and glorious bodies, and the whole church will present herself to the Lord in the heavens as a bride, beautiful on her wedding day. And this is what we heard in the second reading from the Apostle St. Paul. He says, For the Lord himself, with the word of command, with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God, will come down from heaven, and the dead in Christ will be raised first. Once he has raised his elect, Christ will gather them to himself in the clouds. However, we may ask, what of those who are alive? What of those who are still in the body when our blessed Lord returns? If all men must die, will these not die? And if the elect who have died will receive glorified bodies, will these who are still in the body not receive a new and immortal body with which to enjoy God's presence forever? The Apostle explains this to us in another letter when he writes to the Corinthians. Lo, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable nature must put on an imperishable, and this mortal nature must put on immortality. So you see, beloved brothers and sisters, those who are living at the time of Christ's return, they will indeed die but they will instantly rise again in the twinkling of an eye, as the Apostle says. And they will instantly rise again with new and glorified bodies, similar to the sacred body of our risen Lord. And thus, we will be changed, as the Apostle says. For we must be clothed in a new 
imperishable and immortal nature. And then, as we heard in today's second reading, we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them, that is, those who have died, will be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Such is the joyous, awe-inspiring day we await, the day when our redemption is accomplished. Now our gracious Lord knew that many of us, thinking that last day to be far in the distant future, would be inclined to live as if it would never come upon us. Indeed, how many live their lives without ever so much as thinking of their eternal destiny? Hence, prophesying of the end of the world, our Lord said this, As were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the very day when Noah entered the ark. And they did not know until the flood came and swept them away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. And so, beloved brothers, we who are pilgrims in this world must not act and think like the rest of men. And this is why our Lord gave us this somber parable which we have heard in today's gospel. Now as the fathers of the church have explained, this parable is a parable about the second coming of Christ. The virgins represent the church in all of its members because the church is said to be a virgin since her faith in our Lord which is the same yesterday, today, and forever, is pure as a virgin. The bridegroom is no one but Christ himself. Now in the church there are many members. Some are foolish and some are wise. Christians, like the virgins, are waiting for the bridegroom to come. That is, for the Lord to return in glory. But since our Lord is delayed in returning, in the meantime, Christians, generations after generations, fall asleep into the sleep of death. Suddenly, the bridegroom does indeed arrive, and the virgins are awakened with a cry. And in the same way, when our Lord returns, the sound of the trumpet from heaven will awaken us all. From the sleep of death and we will rise again what shall we discover when we rise again dear brothers and sisters like the virgins in the parable we shall see that all of us will have lamps but not all of us will have oil and here we have a symbol what are these lamps and what is this oil as the fathers of the church explained the lamps represent faith in Christ, and the oil represent charity. Just as all Christians 
have faith in Christ, all the virgins had their lamps. But not all virgins had the oil, just as not all Christians have charity. Now when we say charity, we mean also good works. Because if you truly love God and your neighbor, then you will inevitably be led to do good works for them. Faith without charity produces nothing. Faith with charity produces good works. Indeed, faith without charity is like the barren fig tree in the gospel, which our Lord cursed and caused to wither away. Faith without charity. Whoever thought of such a thing? Dear Christians, do not let yourselves be deceived. Our Protestant brothers would have us believe that works are not necessary. But how deceived they are. It is true. You will not be saved by your works. You are saved by God's grace and the passion of Jesus Christ. But if you think you will be saved without works, that you can show yourself empty-handed without having done nothing for anyone in your life, having lived selfishly like the rich man who looked down on Lazarus, the poor beggar, then you are indeed one of these foolish virgins. Yes, it is not your works that save you, it is God. But He will not save you without works, without charity. And by works, I mean those good deeds that proceed from true love of God and neighbor. Not the works of the Pharisees, who are self-righteous, but in their hearts are arrogant and self-conceited and who wouldn't move a finger to help someone in need. Those works do not proceed from love of God, but from love of self. Those works will rather accuse you than acquit you on the last day. But that Christ does expect some good works and good deeds from us, full of divine charity, there is no question about it. He says himself in the gospel, every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and cast into the fire. And do not think that because you're Catholics, you will be judged any differently. For behold, all of these virgins were invited to the wedding banquet, and yet five of them were left out. In the same way, many who today say are Catholic and Christian will be cast out of the kingdom when they are judged by him who knows the secrets of hearts. On that day, every thought, every word, every deed will be clearly seen by all. And whatever good deed you did not do will remain undone. On that day, you will not be able to say to your neighbor, give me some of your charity so I can show to the Lord. For just as the wise virgins did not share their oil with the foolish ones, so no one will share their works with you and cover your nakedness. Therefore, do not think that barren faith will save you on that day. For to profess the faith and not to live it is to have no faith at all. And just as the door was shut on those foolish virgins, so it will be shut on many Catholics and Christians. When the Lord responds to them, Truly, I do not know you.
Do you see now the goodness of this Savior, beloved brothers and sisters? He gives us a glimpse into the future that we might change the present. He shows us the end of time that we might take advantage of the present time. Heed the warning of our benevolent Lord. Do not think that day will never come upon you. Do not simply reason that you will be dead when the Lord returns. For even if He does not return in your lifetime, when He does return, He will call you forth from the dust and ashes and will demand an account of your deeds. What will you say to the king when he asks about your charity? If you fed the hungry, clothed the naked, if you visited the sick and consoled the sorrowful, did you do no good deed for anyone? Did you not even care to pray for your faithful departed? When he asks about your obligations, what will you say? Did you raise your children in the faith? Did you support the church with your wealth? What about your own soul? Did you have mercy on your soul? Did you have some charity to yourself? Were you in the custom of saying some prayers each day, of receiving Holy Communion on Sundays with a pure heart, of confessing your sins regularly and doing some penance for them? Or did you simply have love for your bodies and feed them with the best food and clothe them with the best clothes and satisfy every desire? All these things the Lord will ask of you. And how will you respond? Therefore, dearest Christians, I urge you today, live wisely. Look ahead to the day of judgment and prepare yourselves wisely for it. Do good works. Practice virtue. These will win you merit in heaven that will never fade away. Feed the hungry and shelter the homeless. Do you not realize that your reward will be great in heaven? Instruct the ignorant in the faith. Forgive those who offend you. Pray for the living and the dead. Use your money not just to get richer or to please yourselves, but use your money to do good works. Works that will gain for you riches in paradise. And love your souls more than your body. The beauty of your youth and the charm of your attire will vanish like smoke. But the virtues you acquire in this life, they will adorn you like radiant jewels in heaven. And all will marvel at your beauty. Seek holiness, seek charity, seek wisdom, and indeed you will find it. As we heard in today's first reading, resplendent and unfading is wisdom. And she is readily perceived by those who love her and found by those who seek her. If you seek holiness, God will make you holy. If you seek wisdom, God will make you wise. And yet, beloved brothers and sisters, how little we desire the gifts of God. If we would only desire them, we would see how God yearns to fill us with his spiritual blessings. His desire for our sanctification is so great that he goes so far as to give himself to us in holy communion to sanctify our hearts. In the Eucharist, we eat the flesh of Christ and we 
are interiorly sanctified with His Holy Spirit. In this food from heaven, this sacrament of charity, we receive God Himself thrice holy. Upon entering our hearts, He fills them with the fire of His fervent love. Oh, how Christ desires to sanctify us. If only we would let Him. If only we would receive the blessed sacrament with desire, with humility and confidence. And with the firm resolution to do His will in all things. This is how the Blessed Virgin Mary received the Holy Eucharist every day. And all the saints. They should be our models. And if you have no works to show our Lord today, do not fear. For in this sacrament, God will give you His own charity. And Christ will fill you with His love. Indeed, every Holy Communion that you receive with devotion will be accounted to you as a good and holy work by God our Father in heaven. When you show yourself on Judgment Day, all the Holy Communions you received will precede you and adorn you. And our blessed Lord will look upon you and say, Behold, flesh of my flesh, bone of my bones. Come, O blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom that has been prepared for you from the foundation of the world. There may we all be gathered, those of us here and those who have passed on before us, to praise and worship our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for ages and ages.